Preventing suicide is one of our society's greatest challenges. That's why the Flint Hills Volunteer Center has developed this Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. Pact stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, Training. The Suicide Pact podcast will feature personal stories and professional perspectives. This podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Our hope is to touch hearts and provide hope amidst despair. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope. Our website and contact info is included in the show notes. One of the greatest challenges in anyone's life is the possibility of suicide and the challenges that many face in their lifetimes, regardless of their age, their profession, their special interests, gender, challenges that they may have. There are so many aspects that come into play when we talk about suicide. This is a special podcast where we address some of the myths, and some of the help that is out there when it comes to suicide. It's a new bi-weekly podcast series. My name's Dave Lewis. I am the host. And today joining me on the podcast is Lori Bishop, who is the executive director of the Flint Hills Volunteer Center. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. I know that this is uh, something that is a very personal nature to you. We are hoping that we can reach a lot of individuals. You know, we made just a, a short list of individuals that, you know, we're hoping to reach with this message. Uh, teenagers, veterans, people that are currently working uh, active duty in the military. There's all kinds of folks that uh, are in the world of agriculture, which has been really challenging with financial means, etc. During the holidays, uh, the elderly, which is an area of uh, specialty for you, because uh, as the executive director of the Flint Hills Volunteer Center, you work with a lot of elderly, and there's a lot of challenges there, too. There is. There is. Let's talk a little bit about what we're trying to achieve here with Suicide Awareness Pact the Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, and Training, because there's a lot of individuals that will hopefully learn from this. Yes, and that's was my goal uh, with my personal story, that we need to make people more aware of this. I lost my son in, in 2009, and people weren't talking about suicide then like they are now. And so I feel like now is the time when we can all come together. Uh, Manhattan is doing a great job with all the different committees and, and coalitions and bringing this to the, the forefront, which needs to happen. Tell us a little bit about losing Shane. It was um, August 7th of 2009, and uh, Shane and I were very close. He all called me daily. It was a weekend, and he wasn't answering my call. I remember going by his apartment a couple of times and knocked on the door. His vehicle was there, but I knew he was going to Kansas City to a concert. So I didn't think much of it, but on that Sunday, I, just, I thought it was just unusual. And um, he has a dog, and I didn't hear the dog bark or anything. And so I got up on that Monday morning, I was getting ready, and I heard this voice from God telling me to go to Shane, he's with me. So I kind of shrugged it off, and I went to work, and I wasn't in there more than 15 minutes, and the lights went out in my office. Hmm. And I remember calling my sister, I knew then, I, I knew he, he was gone, so I called her and I said, I need you. And so we, I, I went to his apartment, and uh, I'd gone downstairs and uh, knocked on the door, and he didn't answer and went up and his friend was there and he had called the police. And so I went back down again. And at that point, um, 
I could smell the decomposition. And so uh, I ran back upstairs and the policeman came. And I, I remember one of the first things they asked me was if he uh, had taken his own life. And I thought that was just really strange. I was kind of offended, to be honest with you. So um, I, I just said no. And then they came and told me I might have to identify the body. And my, my mind just went crazy you know i called my other two sons to tell them what had happened and and um then um they uh, this police officer came up to me and told me that um i wouldn't have to that they identified him and i just collapsed uh you know it's just everything was so surreal anyway at that point you know there's a police officer blocking the the doorway so he wouldn't let me in which I'm glad I, I I'm glad I didn't everything that happened after that the the police you had these big vans you had um uh like all these men in kind of like these hazmat suits and all of that kind of stuff and and then uh so they uh took him away and you know and everything just moved so quickly you know my phone was just ringing non-stop everybody calling and asking and you know you're trying to make arrangements and I think the hardest thing for me was is that I didn't get that opportunity to say goodbye uh when the uh casket came at the funeral I just I broke down because you know at a, at a funeral you see that body and so my vision was oh my goodness you know and and I made the big mistake of googling what decomposition and autopsy was uh so that threw me into an even bigger spiral uh i i, I wouldn't go to sleep because if i went to sleep i i would just envision it all again um when we had to go into the apartment and clean it up there was you know stains and and things in there and uh so it was it was a a, a difficult time and and then the the curiosity people were very curious uh and i had people calling me um i had a mom get, send me a four-page letter asking me that um could i not afford to get my son help uh, you know and stuff and it's just it's just everything that came out uh it just it just threw me into a tailspin and i i seriously was going to take my own life because i blamed myself i felt like i was a bad mother i should have seen this i should have known uh one of the things i've learned now that is um uh increase in drug use is a, a sign of uh, a, a suicide intention uh and, and shane did struggle with uh drugs um he was uh, he was bullied in a school because he was a, a christian believer and uh took his bible to school and then just things just kind of went different after that and so so um, it, it was it was kind of it was kind of hard, but you know when you get back trying to get back your life, um, you know everybody's contacting you. But after two weeks, everybody goes back to their life, and then you're all alone. And we tend to forget those people are still struggling. Those people are still hurting, and you know we're just kind of all in uh, in that phase of, of of how to do things. And you know I think the hardest thing is like I. I never got to say goodbye. I, you know, I, I, I didn't get to hold him or touch him or, or anything like that. And, and, you know, my birthday was shortly after that. And, and Shane always gave me these really funny birthday cards. And it's like my birthday gift that year was an autopsy report. And so 
you know, it's just a conglomeration of, of, of the pain. And, and, you know, I remember, um, a grief counselor reached out to me at the time and I, I, I was angry. I, I didn't want somebody interfering in my life, you know, kind of thing. And so I've learned a lot from that. It, it took me 10 years before I can actually tell my story because someone came into my office one day and, I didn't know who that person was, but wanted to know how Shane had died. And so a friend of mine told me that um, knowledge is power. And so at that point, I shut it all down. I quit talking because I didn't want somebody to gain power from my pain. And so I realized now I was in a world of hurt. um, So I wasn't really thinking about healing and healing myself and awareness. And so because of all of that, it led me to understand now that I should have been able to talk about it. I should have talked to someone about it. And that's my goal with this is that we we talk. Uh, we can't hide anymore. And that's the biggest mistake I think I made. So that's what all of what we're doing is to bring awareness to the table. And your story is not dissimilar from other parents or loved ones of someone who does take their own life. Yes. And and after I told my story, uh, I think I told it about three years ago, I've had a lot reach out to me since then. Um, I, I've had a mom reach out to me that struggles with her son uh, and her son's addiction and she's so fearful that it's going to happen to her son that it's affecting their marriage. And, and I've, I've heard from people who've also lost their child uh, through it. Um, and so that's one of the things I've realized is some of us as parents and mothers, especially we're able to share our stories and talk and, and, are being able to talk because we've been there, we've lived through it, you know, we understand it. We're able to talk freely to one another and, and understand it. And one, I, I did a training once, and um, I think 90% of the survey results came back and said they want to hear more personal stories because the personal story made it more clear of what suffering and, and, and pain of, of losing a loved one is. Data is one thing. Correct. Reality is another. Yes. Especially yes. when it comes from the heart and, and, and especially an aching heart because, yeah. you know, you and I both know, and I think everybody knows somebody. And this is one of mm-hmm. the things that we hope to be able to do with this podcast series is so that we can share the information, share the data, share the resources. There are people that are professionals. There are people that are, you know, whether they're in the clergy, there's all kinds of people that can help. And they want to be able to help, to help prevent a story that's similar to yours. Yes. And, you know, one thing, too, is we all grieve in our own way. I have friends who've lost a child, but we all take it differently. I I remember after uh, Shane had passed, um, I went to the cemetery and you basically are sitting there looking at a pile of dirt. And I had a blanket and I sat down and I, I was talking uh, to Shane and this yellow butterfly comes out from underneath the clump of dirt and went around my head and went back down under the, the, the dirt. And I told my sister about it. She said, oh, I, I, let me, I'll go out with you. So the next day she came out with me. We sat down there was talking. Yellow butterfly came around again and just then flew all over the cemetery. So I had signs. I had many signs that Shane was with me and telling me I'm okay, mom. But like I said, I just everything was so different in in my case. And I can look at somebody else who's lost a, a loved one that will tell you a different story. But the fact remains, 
we all grieve and we all grieve differently and it's okay it's it's okay to grieve you know it's okay to ask for help so and that's one of the things our our partner uh that we partner with is the yellow ribbon suicide prevention program and that's their theme it's okay it's okay to ask for help and we can't shrug it and put it under the table anymore we have to let everybody know it's okay to ask for help and i wished i had done that back in 2009 let's talk a little bit about this yellow ribbon panel because here you're transitioning from being a mother who lost her son into applying a professional aspect to try to counter some of the experiences that you shared in the hopes of of helping others tell us about this uh, this group Yes, the Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention Program is uh, out of Westminster, Colorado, uh, founded by Dale and Dar Emmy, and they began this program because their son was a high school student uh, that that died by suicide, and he collected, or he had uh, a yellow Mustang. And at the funeral, these high school kids were giving everyone these yellow ribbons to to wear on uh, on their shirt in memory of him. And they've taken that program, and they're international now. They they're phenomenal. I hope to get them on our our, our podcast to have them tell you their story. We are one of two uh, Kansas affiliates. Uh, Dodge City has an excellent program uh, with their Compass Health Behavioral Program, and their Dodge City High School uh, has an excellent program. They came here last uh, summer and did a training. We had several teenagers attend that training. And so our goal is, and I'm speaking with people uh, at Manhattan High, uh, we have interest from Wamigo Middle School. And so we're really wanting to get these teenagers, because the suicide rates are getting younger, uh, a lot younger. And so that is our goal is to reach out to, to that um, dynamic as well. So, and, and it, it's, we have a task force. Uh, we have Yellow Ribbon Suicide Prevention Task Force. Um, we have several members. And so they bring collective background. Um, we're not professional in any means. So we have uh, representatives from Pawnee Mental Health. We have an RN. Uh, we have social workers. We've had suicide loss survivors. And uh, so we, we've got a good market of people on this that are going to be advising us on how we move forward and bring this awareness to the, the forefront. And Lori, our hope with this podcast series is that individuals will be able to share these messages uh, through the podcast, share the podcast to their family members, to their loved ones, so that they have hopefully something to, to grasp for, something, someone that they can reach out and, and maybe hopefully they'll understand that from some of the stories that we tell here that they can get the help that they need. Correct. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll share maybe what some of these warning signs are, uh, what to look for. We've got an excellent group. Uh, when, when I was first thinking this and when I first approached you about this, you know, my thought was, okay, we'll just do six of these. And then we brought on so many more, uh, people with that covers every possible from teenagers to, like you said, the elderly, the veterans and all that. But our, our topics and our speakers are going to be really, really, really good. And so we hope people will turn in uh, to each one of these podcasts. Well, I'm looking forward to working with you and all those that are going to be associated with Prevention, Awareness, Compassion and Training podcast, because this is important stuff. 
It is. It is. And it's it, it's time we come together as a community and bring this awareness. And we are making great strides. I think Manhattan's one of the top uh, around with everything that we have locally and all the coalitions statewide. I'm on three of those uh, statewide. Uh, and so uh, by us all sharing our story, working together, I'm hopeful what our future will look like. And something we might reinforce here is that this is not necessarily just a local issue, but we do have a lot of local resources that we'll be talking about. But uh, the underlying theme of what we're hoping to achieve here within this podcast series is that there are people that have been in your shoes, Mm -hmm. maybe, and that there are people that can help you get into a different set of shoes and maybe learn to walk again in, in, in a new way. That's correct. Yeah, that's a very good point. This is the Suicide Awareness, Prevention Awareness, Compassion, and Training Podcast. Lori Bishop is her name. She's the Executive Director of the Flint Hills Volunteer Center. My name's Dave Lewis. Please follow along, and please join us, and please help those who are in need. We hope you or someone you love can benefit from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources that are available. Many are listed in our show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center's Suicide Awareness Pact podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope.